0: All right, guys, welcome back to the Inting Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. If you want to introduce yourself,
1: hi, I'm Gio. (laughs) Should I say what I do? I'm a Valorant caster, or I've casted many things, but these days, I'm most known for uh, Valorant, and I do a lot of content creation as well.
0: Oh yeah, I, that's why I've seen I've seen you like around a lot, of, a lot of the VCT sphere. So that's mm-hmm. how I uh, have found you. But have if you want to let's start in the beginning. Have you worked at anything else before Valorant, or was this like your first real like esports?
1: No, this was not my first real esport. I I think over time I've worked. Oh, I've never actually counted it, but I've definitely worked in a lot of games. We're talking like at least over ten different games. But if you want to talk about the actual games that I have like spent a significant amount of time in, I would probably put that down to three, which would be Overwatch, Rainbow Six Siege, and Valorant, as the ones where I've quite like seriously made a name for myself, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Uh, but I've done like random stuff here and there in like a ton of other games as well. So yeah, I've, uh, this is not my first. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, how has it been? Uh, like. Compared to like other games, you said you worked on Overwatch and Rainbow, mm. and how have that? How has Valorant been different compared to those other games? Like community wise, uh, staff, uh, co-workers, like all that. How has that been? <laughs>
1: and this is where I say everything's been awful, and everyone hates me. No, that's not true. <laughs> um, I mean, I really, really love Valorant. I love the people that I've gotten to work with in Valorant. Um, I really enjoyed the fact that. Um, like infrastructurally it has been really really strong pretty much from the get-go um and so that's made it so there's been a lot of really interesting things to do um you know my very first Valorant cars was like some monthly thing I think and then I like you know got to do like Masters Berlin, like a couple months later. So I've kind of done a lot of different levels of things in Valorant. And I think all of them have been done really well. Um, I think that the game was made with esports in mind. Um, So that's made a lot of things very easy. And the people that I've been able to work with in Valorant, like both from the talent side and also like the riot side with production and um, just everything like managerial, there's so much passion in it, which like is really, really nice um that's not to say of course that there isn't passion in other games of course but Mm -hmm. um I think that that was something that really kind of like lit a spark in me regarding working with Riot specifically as I really kind of felt that very strongly Um, you know and it was interesting working in other games because they were also in other times like when I first started working in Overwatch this is the tail end of 2018 Mm -hmm. and I think esports as a space was very different back then as well. I think that if I reflect on how I felt, for example, as a woman working in esports, I actually see a lot of difference, even if at the time, I didn't necessarily like acknowledge that as much. Um, And that's only something I've been able to really like acknowledge in recent times, particularly. And I felt like I had to kind of fight a little bit harder to be taken seriously for what I wanted to do because back then was sort of the era of um, people started wanting to specifically hire women, which meant that you were, as a woman, kind of pushed towards certain broadcast roles and those were not necessarily the roles I wanted to do. And so I really sort of felt like I had to make people take me seriously. Whereas these days, I don't think that's really the case. I think you're sort of taken seriously by default. And even though that's uh, only a short period of time where that change has happened, it's still something that's really notable and I'm glad to see. Um, that wasn't necessarily a problem with like, blizzard particularly or overwatch particularly it was just more like a cultural thing in esports in general so as i was trying to get experience doing other things at the same time as being in overwatch that was something that i was like noticing a lot um so uh, you know people ask me a lot especially on instagram like oh you know do you prefer working in valorant do you prefer working in rainbow six and it's like well there are things i love about working in all of them otherwise i wouldn't have worked in them um and the reason i left rainbow six was because the league that i was casting uh ceased to exist so it wasn't like i had this huge flame out or an issue with ubisoft and Mm. like slammed the door and walked away so i don't have any bad blood with anyone or anything like that um but i have definitely had like a really positive experience working in every scene that i've been in
0: for sure i feel like uh each each esport has like their own plus and minuses of course because yep. um i know like valorant like um now it's like more they're definitely like putting more emphasis now on the female uh like the game changers now i think riot was like really the first real uh like valorant was the first real game to really put a lot of emphasis on the female i know CS:GO had it back then but i feel like they mm-hmm. never really put as much emphasis as in the valorant scene and i think I,
1: cs it's a bit different anyway and like i'm going to talk as somebody who has never really been involved in the cs scene <laughs> But in CS it's kind of different because you don't have that like centralized sort of platform in the same way that you do in Valorant like Valorant has always been run by Riot and so the decisions of what like leagues there are going to be and where investment goes that has always been centrally made by Riot whereas in CS it's kind of like valve approve things but they don't they don't make the just dis- like they don't run a league themselves so it's kind of like well if so if a to wants to run a league for women they're welcome to um but valve aren't necessarily going to do that themselves so that's yeah. been a lot more on like whether there were tos who even wanted to do that or whether there were like small companies who wanted to run a tournament for women so it's it's kind of hard to compare directly um and the fact that they're was a women's scene where we can talk about players and their histories in CS, despite of that fact. I think that is actually quite a positive thing, even if something akin to Game Changers never really existed. I mean, I suppose you could compare it to currently ESL Impact, but I'm, I still don't... I think it's still fair to say that Game Changers is kind of, like, on a different level to that. Um, so, yeah, but there is like that difference there
0: for sure i feel like yeah valve has always had that, that thing where like oh we don't really touch any of the esports unless the major I think that's like their crown jewel where they're all that's the only time of the year where they only invest it because i know yeah. there's the impact series i have a friend she explained it about it where it's like the impact series where like they actually put a lot of emphasis now on the female side uh i feel like they only really started doing that because they saw how valorant and riot was doing about the game changers and like how they're putting more emphasis now. There's like LAN events. They, I mean, Champions just recently happened, um, which is, by the way, was a great event. I was watching the whole thing. It was amazing. And <laughs> yeah. I feel like Valve is kind of shooting themselves in the foot, by just not having big events like that. And not especially having it like be emphasized. Even though like they're not involved, I feel like TO should be involved as well. Because I know Game Changers like a gallerant. Was uh, mm. one of the leading spears. I know it had a lot of controversies with a lot of players, and but I feel like overall they've really like did a good job in putting emphasis on the female side. And I feel like other esports have not really done that. Where like I've I, I think like I don't really remember. I don't know. If, do you remember if like Rainbow actually had any of that sense, like any pro female uh, side? I don't
1: think Rainbow Six ever did.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's also so. a, that's also a big issue as well. I feel like people don't understand that, and um, there's also like. I feel like a lot of uh, just the community as well. I feel like Valorant, like, let's be serious. The Valor community is not the best. If we can agree on that when it comes to, le- not like the content creators or like the PTOs, more of just like the Redditors and all them. They... I mean, okay,
1: I will interrupt here. I'm going to interrupt him. Yes. Like I said, I've been in a lot of games. Every community thinks their community is the worst community. And when you've worked in enough, ge- as many games as I have at this point, you kind of learn to throw away those comments because what you just said, I'm going to say this in the nicest way possible. What you just said doesn't mean anything because Mm. the next game along says the same thing about themselves. And the next game along says the same things about themselves. And to be perfectly honest with you, Valorant is not that bad (laughs) as far (laughs) as like toxic communities or Reddit or whatever, anything like that goes. I actually think Valorant's pretty good as far as things go. Um, I have seen seen much, 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 much worse. And so I kind of, I think a lot of people like to say that about the community that they're in, almost in a self-deprecating way and almost in like a kind of, oh, I'm gonna put this out there before I say something else sort of way. But I, usually it is kind of embellishment or hyperbole um, and not really that close to the truth um there is always more toxic and i mean i think even when you're talking about discussions within the community like league of legends is infinitely worse than valorant is oh yeah 100%. um and i don't even think league is anywhere near the worst yeah i mean famously gears of war always gets like the crown for being the worst and stuff like that i actually think rainbow six has become pretty bad for those things because the rainbow the rainbow six community is so defeatist um and you could say anything remotely positive around rainbow six and they're going to be there to tell you the rainbow six is the worst game that ever existed and the game is dying it's like well what what are you doing then like why are you still here so i actually think valorant is pretty good as far as those things go and i tend not to get too engaged in conversations that involve like well, the community is not the best because I think as soon as you start talking about the community being bad, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and it becomes a feedback loop that benefits nobody.
0: Well, I also do feel like um, Raya has done a really good job in stepping in as well to handle the community because I feel like they've definitely saw how bad League was in their community when it comes to like toxicity, just like overall, just like the entry level because if you're a new player and you're into League, like I tried League for the first time, I think two months ago. I've never mm-hmm. played league. I've tried it for the first time and it's like not very accessible. Oh no, no. It's, it's so bad because like, I wouldn't know what to build. So I'm using the recommending system and they're like, why are you building right. that? And I'm getting flamed five <laughs> minutes into the game and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. So <laughs> right, yeah. it, it's, it's definitely like Valorant has definitely brought that. Um, it's easier to, I mean, I, of course, as agents come out and map, will, of course it's going to get harder to entry, but I feel like the community is definitely better. Don't get me wrong, it's definitely, e- like, better when it comes to enter because I'll play Rainbow for the first time, or I've been playing Rainbow, but if I play Rainbow for the first time, the, I'll get flamed for not picking the right agent, the right gun, the right site. Right, know? yeah,
1: no, I would not ever recommend anybody play Rainbow Six on their own when they're learning Rainbow Six. Like, get right? yourself a five-stack.
0: Get, like, a five-stack, or, like, get a duo or somebody that actually knows the game, because they'll, end up yeah. be, they'll like, walk you through it. I feel yeah. like with those kind of games, it's definitely hard to... Um, it's definitely a hard entry for it. I feel like CSGO is surprisingly, it's actually very easy to get into. It's just very simple. You get a gun, you go shoot, plant a bomb or kill all the people. Very simple. Yeah, yeah. Rainbow Six, okay, you have to learn about verticality, you have to learn about hollow sight. you have to learn about agents.
1: The map changes in every single game mm-hmm. because it's like destructible. Yeah. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like definitely like some games like that is definitely uh, a lot of the entry potential is a lot. And it's, um, I feel like the, that's what the, that's when the community comes, uh, comes in and it's like, okay guys, this is how you do it. I feel like Valorant has actually produced a lot of like, uh, creators who are very beginner friendly where they'll tell you, it's okay guys, this is how you do it. Or like the, um, how do you say like, not the Twitter coaches, but like, do you know Metafly? Like where they're? Yes. 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 Where there a lot of Valorant coaches are from there and they'll teach yes. some players who are brand new to FPS. I feel like Valorant has definitely introduced a lot of people who are new to attack FPS. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do you think about, like, those, like, MetaFly coaches who are essentially, like, uh, they're living is teaching p- players new t- uh, FPS? I mean,
1: I think it's fine. Like, there are some people who are very, I guess, gatekeepy and will be like, oh, that you're not a real coach. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, you're probably not going to be jumping into coach a VCT team anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But, like... It's fine, like it's for lack of a better term, that's just like a free market within the game, right? Like if there are people who are willing to pay for that service and you will provide the service, it's not hurting anyone. Cool, go for it, like great. Like I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I think that if that is how a bronze player wants to learn to get to gold, okay. And and you know if there are any that happen to be good enough that can coach you higher than that, and like there are going to be people who's. Like YouTube channels are about the same thing even if you can't necessarily directly hire them as a one-to-one coach like they still provide the same sort of service mm-hmm. that's fine and in my opinion that's kind of the sign of a healthy ecosystem right because it, you know there are all these different moving parts people are participating in the game and its culture in different ways and they're offering something different to the community and they're offering something that there are parts of the community that want that I don't have yeah. a, an issue with that I, I think sure. any, I think anything like that is totally fine
0: but I feel like this is like kind of new, like these uh, metafly coaches. Because I remember, I don't because I remember before COVID, like I r- I have never really seen any like one on one coaches, or like you either just play the game or you just YouTube. All right, how do you play this agent? And there's like a YouTube <laughs> yeah. video. So I feel like these one on one coaches, like it's definitely um, new. And I feel like mm-hmm. for a lot of, of course, a lot of younger audiences who want who want to eventually go pro, this is good. And I understand that, but I feel like if you're just like more of a ranked, I feel like just just go play the game. I don't know if just because of how like how I, essentially I gamers think, are raised, it's not a bad thing. I'm, I'm not like, saying they're a bad I'm thing. It's just very, interesting.
1: Very laissez-faire about anything like that because for me, I'm like just if it what if that's what you've decided is the right decision for you or the right way to do it for you, then cool. Like, absolutely, you could just go like grind ranked, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. I I mean, actually, to be honest with you, I think that if I were the sort of person who if I didn't have like a really close connection to like the world of competitive gaming and I were bronze and I wanted to get to like plat or whatever, me as a human being would probably actually do better to have someone directly coach me than to just go and play rank. Like I would play ranks, but just that's the i'm a very academic person i do i do well if there's something specific that i can like study and in and it's like a structured environment i don't do as well as a human if it's just kind of like go learn from experience um and actually generally like i in the games that i have gotten better at and and ranked higher in it has been because of my casting and my exposure to... So it's weird because I will learn the game to a really high level to be a caster. I won't be able to replicate that. I'll be, like, terrible in the game. And then as time goes on, I'll just gradually get better because I'm casting it. Whereas me just having that knowledge in the first place actually hasn't been enough Um, Mm. because it's more about, like, applying it and, and that works differently for different people. And so I think, actually... When I, when I put myself in that situation, I would probably also learn better if someone was specifically coaching me. Um, mm. Now, I have never, like, hired a personal coach. I just don't care enough about being g- good at the game to do anything like that. I have, like, better things to do. I would rather watch other people play the game and be able to yeah. talk about that. That's obviously why I do what I do. Um, but, yeah, I just think I don't really, like, concern myself with, like how people learn the game or what they do to get there. As long as they're not cheating, like, oh, yeah. cool, you... <laughs> that's do. a big thing. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, the thing everyone can agree... On, well, most people can agree on, right? Is, like, yeah, as long as you're not, like, installing wall hacks, you get better however it's you see fit.
0: For sure. Of course, there's also that big, like... I always see on my Twitter feed where someone's getting exposed for, um, for getting boosted and all that. And mm. that... I feel like something like that you can't really like, you can try to avoid but like that's something that's always going to be inevitable, someone's always going to be doing with somebody or like, you can also play with somebody who is just infinitely better than you but you're just also like enjoying their company, what is your opinion on like, people getting exposed for boosting and like how would you think like, it would change, you would change it?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one because I think that if you're boosting in ranked, then it has to be deliberate, right? Like, you don't accidentally queue with, you know, it's not just like, oh, but I want to play with this pal and they're so much better than me. Because it's ranked and ranked is designed Mm. to negate that. If it's, like, unrated, that's kind of different. Like, one of my best friends who I love playing with is just much better than me at video games. Like, he's just one of those people. Um, And... Like, we can have a fairly even game. Like, you know, it's it's not going to come across like he's wrecking everyone and I'm like this sorry ass that's being dragged along. Uh, but I will only ever play with him and I it. Um, I think that, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, when it comes to specifically being boosted, it's like... It's, it's it sucks, to play, it sucks to play against Smurfs. Like, I think anybody can can attest to the fact that it sucks to play against Smurfs. Uh, and that's why the kind of system in League of Legends is quite good where like if it recognizes you as a Smurf, it'll put you in Smurf queue. Um, yeah. Beyond that, I kind of don't really know what what the answer is or even I don't know. It's it's hard because like I said, I'm somebody who is quite good at just accepting the state of whatever the video game is. Um mm-hmm. and just being like, this is the game. Like, I'm the same with um it's not exactly the same, but like when new patches come out, obviously as a caster, I'm I you should learn them or know what's going yes. on. Um And a lot of people theorycraft like what they think the next meta is gonna be based on a patch, right? I am never interested in that shit because I'm like, for, for me, it's like, I don't care to predict what's gonna happen you give me a game, you put a game in front of me, and I will learn it, and I will care about that game. And it's why sure. I also, I never complain about metas either. Like, there have been <laughs> metas in games that I've worked in before that people have had very strong negative opinions on. And for me, I I just never get that riled about it, because I'm like, all I just, I just want to be able to analyze what's in front of me. I don't really care about it changing like um and it's kind of the same here a little bit and i think because i'm not like a ranked demon the topic of boosting and smurfing and stuff like that it's stuff that i sort of like have an opinion on the periphery and i'm sort of like yeah smurfing is bad boosting is not good but i don't like have a really deep opinion on it because it's just not something i concern myself with that much
0: for sure, uh, I 100 percent understand. And um, with boosting, of course, because they'll because they'll eventually start solo queuing, and then essentially it's like a four v five. Because imagine if someone who's gold initially goes and ranks up to ascendant and valorant, and then like they want to they get boosted and they're just solo queue. It's just like it's a completely different thing because you don't have that trusty duo who's always just going to be your assurance if you decide yeah, and to you solo. Yeah, you either queue. you
1: either like derank like crazy or you just learn the hard way
0: exactly you know, so, like
1: one of the two is gonna happen <laughs>
0: for sure and i've always said i've always been the thing of i'd rather deal with a smurf 10 out of the 10 times instead of a cheater because at least with a smurf they oh, could possibly have, because with a smurf they could have a bad game and you could still win it with a cheater yeah, at least because, i'm playing
1: against the human being <laughs> yeah like
0: at least i'm playing with against a human being not a not a bot so that's it, that's also the biggest thing where i feel like people yeah. like always complain like oh smurf Smurf Smurf, but like People understand, like, when, when you play CS matchmaking, every other game, there's a cheater. There's walls, there's aimbot, it's bad. I don't know how it is in Rainbow, I don't know if the cheating is pretty bad in Rainbow, but when it came to, like, CS, <laughs> it's kind of bad. You on
1: the Rainbow Six subreddit and see what they say.
0: Oh, no, I don't want to get flamed in, like,
1: cheating Cheating's very so bad in Rainbow Six. <laughs> cheating is very bad in Rainbow Six.
0: Really bad? Okay. Because yeah, that's yeah. that's also the thing, because I know, I mean, I know there's FPL, there's, like, face it, I think, in yeah,
1: Rainbow. yeah, 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 so yeah. That, yeah.
0: So that's also a big help. But I feel like Riot is doing something where like no game is really done because FPL and e- uh, like all that is a third party system, not by the main company, not by Ubisoft, not by Valve. It's a third party company. But with Riot, it's like no, we want to make our own homegrown anti cheat with the root kernel. Uh, so I, I know when the first the game first came out, Riot was like, "Yeah, we have a root kernel anti cheat." And then everyone's like, I don't want them to access my computer. But I'm like, I was one of the only people at first. I was like, honestly, I'd rather have that because I don't want to cheater every other game. What was your opinion when you first heard about the root kernel? And like, you think more games should be more like video games. Yeah, but for me, to be
1: honest, I didn't really care. Like, I was kind of like, yeah, I'm going to install the game. So, you know, Um, I do. It's obviously a difficult one because for me, like now that Valorant's kind of existed and we're all used to vanguard and stuff like it's very easy to be like oh yeah well you know rainbow six they should just make like a kernel level attitude right um and there's a very easy thing to say but it's also understandable why a lot of game companies are reluctant to do that or why they don't want to and um they don't want to kind of like lose trust with their consumer base um and it's hard to really tell what the answer is there because I would assume that when game companies make the decision to not do that, it is after doing a lot of research and consultation about sort of forward forecasting what they think their consumer base is going to react like. And it could be that for Riot, they knew that they were a big enough behemoth of a... um of a game developer that actually it would not matter and that positive sentiment would eventually override negative sentiment and start to switch the minds of the people who had negative sentiment. So it could be that, whereas like a smaller games company may look at it and be like, we don't have like an omnipotent enough loyal user base to guarantee that that sentiment is gonna change amongst them and we may lose consumers. That that is me entirely speculating i don't know but i know that generally in business big decisions aren't made without consultation you know and without research um so that is kind of my assumption but it would not surprise me if we do see this kind of thing be implemented a little more in the future especially after having valorant as a case study um yeah. and i think ultimately like people are happy with the outcome. They're obviously really happy with like the level of cheating or lack thereof in Valorant. And so um, they can reap the rewards from it. But I think part of it is that argument that, you know, as a user, like, are you fully aware of what level of security you've given up in order to have that? And I would probably assume that most users don't. I don't, like, I know that they have, like, I'm like, okay, well, I don't have anything to hide, so I don't have a problem with this. But, like, realistically, I'm not a computer science person. I don't really know what it is the Riot actually have access to of mine. I'm just sort of like, yeah, it's fine. And I think that's probably what makes people reluctant to start implementing it. Because, um, yeah, as the user, you can absolutely consent to having that. And we all love the outcome of it. And we're so happy. But it's like... People actually really know what they've given up and it sort of reminds me of like when uh the whole do you remember like the whole thing when it was first announced that like you were gonna have to like accept cookies on every single website yes. and like and everyone like lost their minds over it and like mm-hmm. in reality it's mostly just really annoying um yeah but, like, it's not a bad thing it like it was a huge deal because because like people had previously not had to do that. Um, and it was, the, the sort of argument was like, okay, well, yes, it's it's obviously really convenient that you don't have to do that, but are you aware of the, what security you've given up by not doing that? Um, yeah. And that was, and, and the reason that they had to start asking for that permission on all websites was because they had to make it more clear that people were giving up certain security uh, measures and stuff like that. So there's that kind of balance there. And I, I suspect that's a really big part of it. But for me personally, I'm like, I don't have a problem with it.
0: For sure. I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like Valorant right now, is do- they're like definitely testing the waters and they're definitely taking a big risk with this. And I feel like the outcome has never has always been good. Because you'll hear, I've hear like, we could be a bit of pros from other games trying Valorant and I'm like, it's, it's convenient. It's like, why can't, why don't they have a root kernel anti-cheat? Why do they have to download yeah. FPL, ESEA, all that in order for them to get anti-cheat? And it's like, I think other game companies, there are, I feel like they're not scared, but they don't want to risk the, they don't want to risk something that they could potentially lose. As well mm. for something like mm-hmm. that, and I feel like Rise, they're like, you know what? I feel like let's take the risk. You know what? Let's do something innovative. Let's be that first real developer. Yeah, because obviously, developing. like,
1: if it fucks up, you lose all like public trust as yes. well. Um, and so yeah, there's definitely like it's a balancing act for the developer as well, uh, who <laughs> you know have to have to be really sure that their product is like not gonna do that and bring the whole company down
0: for sure because I think of Valorant I think they were like it was like five years before the announcement they were starting development of it so like you definitely they had definitely five years where they're (laughs) like okay let's really sit down and think do we want to root kernel anti-cheat or do we want to go the same route as like uh, Rainbow and um, and CSGO do we want to go that route and like have a third party anti-cheat or do we want to homegrown our thing and I feel like I mean with the result you can clearly see it's great there's cheater, mm. there's much less. I think my whole time, my three years of playing Valorant, I think I've had no more than 10 cheaters. My whole I've three times. I've never
1: had a cheater in a yeah, game. Never. Never. <laughs> so
0: you've never gotten the red screen or you've never like, no, seen blatant cheaters? No, I've
1: seen cheaters? screenshots of it, and, but I've never had it myself.
0: What The whole three years of you playing, that's insane. So like, is it because of maybe, is it a server thing, a region thing? or I don't
1: know. It might be because I don't play a lot of ranked in Valorant. Like, um, And also, I will say that ever since I started casting, especially um, like professionally at the beginning of 2019, uh, I play competitive video games not a tonne um like I go through phases where I'm like oh my god I just want to grind it out and I'll play a bunch in a short space of time but in a for a lot of my time I don't I don't play it because I'm kind of like like I kind of said earlier I see my time as better spent like watching tournaments and Mm -hmm. then making content and researching stuff and whatever which is more valuable to me than like um me trying to get better like my skill is fairly irrelevant for, for, for my um for my job and oftentimes what happens is you know I spend a lot of time at the computer doing that stuff and then in the evening when I'm done like I'm like too tired to want to concentrate on on uh a competitive game you know so I go through my waves with it where it's like you know sometimes I'm really really in the mood and then sometimes I'm not but yeah I don't play video games as much as people may think um In the last few years, so that's probably part of it. You probably have a lot more hours in Valorant than I do. Yeah,
0: and you probably you know touch grass on like most of the Valorant community.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so there's that as well.
1: But uh, <laughs> I know because you have to touch grass <laughs>
0: <laughs> because I, I know that's also a running gag with uh, the Valorant community. You'll see someone who's like level 900 in Valorant, and it's like this man was before grass was invented. So it's definitely interesting <laughs> like that. <laughs> Well, bouncing off the topic the I of that, I ha- we've had previous casters on, and we've also asked them, "Do you think that rank matters when it comes to casting? When it comes to like casting? Because I know that's a sometimes I a made big topic." I
1: Last video about this, like a couple of months ago. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, I made a I made a video that was called something like "Should Casters Be High Elo?" and it was like a full on video essay, and mm-hmm. like I basically wrote it as a whole essay on my computer and just basically read the essay as like as the video um and my short answer is no your rank doesn't matter as a caster um and there are a few different reasons that i broke down in the video um one being that um you (laughs) your knowledge actually isn't the most important thing as a broadcaster um but even if you wanted to assume that your knowledge is the most important thing as a broadcaster uh you being high rank does not actually mean that you will have that knowledge like if you compared a rank game to a pro game that it's still it's a different game like it's just different like it's not the yeah. same game so you being able to play in like a mortal or like ascendant or whatever like it's not it, it's just a different game like it, it sure. actually is you have to learn it differently and the There's a huge thing in competition, Um, this is not just video games, this is any sport, where, like, the relationship of the team is such a monumental part of how the game is played as that team and how people perform as the team. Whereas typically, like, in solo queue, well, you're solo queuing, right? So you're Mm -hmm. on your own. And so, like, like, things like communication, synergy, Um, IGLing, anything like that, they are not components in a ranked game. Unless you're in a five stack, but even then, that's typically not going to be a team that you are consistently playing with. So these huge, huge parts of competitive sport are not even a part of the ranked, like like experience. Um and so you just can't your your performance in ranked just can't even translate into your understanding of a pro game. Um yeah. now you can obviously gain things from it, like things like I and this kind of just comes from being familiar with the game, but like things like certain interactions in the game. Uh for example, like the the turret bug thing from champions, um a lot of people knew why that went that way because they've witnessed it in their own rank games right sure. so it's kind of like things like that you kind of come to know interactions and um what the mechanical requirements to achieve certain things in the game are and you can gain an appreciation for that sort of thing but i don't think you need to be a high elo to learn those sorts of things i think you just need to be someone who plays the game um and then the other thing on top of that is in order to have a high knowledge of anything you don't need to have a practical knowledge of it um and the example i always use is my degree my bachelor's degree is in Mm -hmm. theoretical physics oh wow i am i'm qualified to tell you how a hadron collider works even though i've never worked at a hadron collider I I specifically did theoretical (laughs) physics, right? It's like, I literally studied the theory of it because I fucking hate doing practical... I hate experiments and all of that stuff. Like, that is not for me in science. Um... But it's like, I I am qualified to tell you how those things work. I can tell you how an aeroplane works. I can draw an an aerolon and... I, I never pronounced that word properly. And I can show you how air moves past it and explain the mechanics of how it stays in the air. Can I fly a fucking plane? No, I can't. Like, so, for, for like, for me, I... It is so blindingly obvious... That there is a difference between practical experience and theoretical knowledge, and that you don't need one for the other. Um, And that different people learn in different ways and can provide value and insight and knowledge, regardless of the way they gained that knowledge. Now, the one difference is that um, having, like, ex-pros or even current pros providing some sort of insight can give you something that someone like me, who has never been a pro, uh, can't. But usually the difference in that insight is not actually about the specifics of how the game plays. Like, my knowledge on how Valorant plays is is going to be, to all intents and purposes, the same as theirs, because it's the same mm-hmm. game. Like, it's not For like sure. we're talking about a different game. Um, but... I can't tell you from my personal experience what it's like in, for example, attack timeout. I can't, I can't tell you the sorts of conversations that my coaches have with me. I can't tell you what the scrim environment is like because sure. I've never had that. So like a pro can provide certain value that, um, that somebody who hasn't been a pro certainly can, but it's not necessarily to do with the knowledge of the game itself. And even then, that is nothing to do with being good in ranked uh so it's still separate from just being someone with high elo um so yeah i got a little bit passionate about that but no, like no, no, it, for sure. I, over the course of my career it's definitely something that's come up a lot i remember when i first started casting in rainbow six there were people who were very unhappy that i'd been hired because i wasn't high elo um yeah. and i got to a decent elo in rainbow six but like when i began i i wasn't and um it was very frustrating to and convince people that actually that that wasn't really relevant um but i think people use it as a scapegoat because it's an easy seal of approval um and also because people hold their own elo in high regard they hold the elo of others in high regard and kind of forget the fact that it actually isn't indicative of what matters here and it also generally shows the fact that they just don't understand what's important on broadcasts
0: for sure i feel like that is also something that a lot of people like they're flying or like that flies over their head when it comes to that and that's also a thing where um i feel like a lot of people are still new to esports and people don't understand that because of course people who've been in esports understand it's okay you know, someone could be bottom fragging, but it's not, it, it's like kills don't matter. Maybe they're uh, the, the IGL prospect, f- yeah. Yeah, or yeah. like the, the IGL or they're the, they're like support or like the role players. They're not meant to be getting kills. They're meant to be just help supporting their team. And I feel like a lot of players don't understand that. And I feel like that's where the casters well, actually, come in and they explain that.
1: Yeah. I opinion. would love to interject there as well, because that's something that I think really, because that's something I've thought about a lot is like mm-hmm. the fact that people put so much stock in that specifically. I think a lot of that comes from the fact that the environment of playing video games competitively for, for most people so like ranked um is a solo endeavor. Um so they, you know, their experience of playing ranked and playing the game is about their own performance and uh having affirmation of that. So when you get your stats at the end of the game, like they want to see that they've played well. And so that leads people to project that onto players when they are watching uh when they're watching the the competitive game mm-hmm. whereas if you compare it to like i don't know like you're a kid who is really passionate about football uh, soccer um you, can say football. It's okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: you might know what i mean but i just if most of your audience are american i i usually yeah. just like try to translate <laughs> but like they're really passionate about soccer like they they might be able to practice kind of like technical skills on their own, but they can't actually play soccer on their own. They mm-hmm. have to play it as a team. For sure. There's no other option. That's how the game works. So when they are growing up and they're playing it and it's like, okay, maybe they're like, defender they're not a striker um so they're not going to be scoring goals like they don't grow up with this idea that like oh my god i have to be the one that's scoring goals otherwise like i'm useless like they grow up with this ingrained idea that no they are just contributing to the team and their role allows the team to flourish um and you can translate that to to any sport it's kind of like in in football football like not everyone is going to be the quarterback right like You need all of these, like, people, like, all of the fucking people on the defense who, like, don't get talked about like the sun shines out of their ass in the same way that the offense do, right? So, like, that, but that is something that when you are growing up playing those sports, you know that from a very young age. Whereas with video games, it's kind of like you have no reason for that to be ingrained in you. Because the way that the game is and the way that the game is designed is is about that one person doing as well as they can. They want to be the star player because that's how the game rewards you. Um, and because that's how the game gets you to play more, right? Mm-hmm. That's just kind of how it works. Um, and so that means that when you see people playing competitively, you don't automatically necessarily like interpret the fact that um you know these uh, there are these players who don't you know their kd is negative and um they haven't like got as much numerically you don't automatically assume like oh but it's because they are their role allows them to set up for team success Mm -hmm. you know there is there is someone who yeah maybe it's their role to pop off and and my role or this guy's role is to set that guy up like because that's not the lens through which they have played the game. And if they've played like 3,000 hours of the game and they've only ever seen it through this one way, that's kind of understandable. And I don't think there's an easy fix for that just because that is how video games work. But I think that's a big reason why people see it that way.
0: For sure. No, you've worded that perfectly. (laughs) And (laughs) I also feel like... um... Esports has definitely grown so much. I don't, the thing is before COVID, I, I mean, esports was like still looked at okay. But then after, I feel like after COVID, esports took that huge leap. And now it's also broadcasted. Like before you saw Overwatch being sported in ESPN. And I feel like now more and more people are more exposed to it. So it's definitely like more people are like, getting into the game and they're now a lot of newer ones. I feel like the people who comment, like, oh, for example, FNS, why is he bottom fragging? But people understand he has to shot call. He has to make sure every all his teammates around him are doing like, FNS everything. FNS is one of
1: the most valuable players in America, in, and yeah. like, you're wondering why he's butterfragging?
0: That that's like <laughs> people don't understand. It's like he has to micro like macro manage his entire team. He has to know what the other team is doing. So kills is his last thing that he has to worry about. Now people people like don't understand that, but like people don't understand that FNS is one of the most one of the best like a top three IGL in the world and people don't understand that Where he is like genuinely a big impact and I feel like now and now um with a lot of, that's why a lot of consecrators I feel like and a lot like you guys the casters as well I feel like you guys do a wonderful job in, in pr- expressing that it's like hey he might not be doing kills but like his shot calling has been out of this world his reason of the map has been out of this world and I also have a question do you guys usually talk to the players and try to get their insight as well or is this more of just like you just watching the game so
1: much you understand that yeah, I mean, I think a, a lot of talent try to talk. They might talk to players. I think usually the prime target is coaches and support staff because they can give you a bit about like uh, what they're kind of aiming for mm-hmm. um, and uh, insights in a lot of the behind the scenes. But um, yeah, like people absolutely talk to players. Um, Anything like that, like especially around big events um, and oftentimes in a big event, like you have more of a chance of actually speaking to them in person as well. <laughs> like you don't just yeah. have to try like send some discord message or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, it's not like all the time, but it does. Absolutely. It happens. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So far I, uh, I know you were like at Berlin when it came to the game changers. Were you talking to some of the pros and like, trying? Well, to get I wasn't, insta- I
1: wasn't in Berlin for game changers.
0: Oh, you weren't in But you were... I
1: wish! <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: because no. I saw that, and I was, like, wondering if, like, the casters usually talk to the players, because I know they're all there anyway, so I just was wondering, like... I mean, they 100%
1: would have been, like... Um, I would be very surprised if none of them had, like, spoken to the, the players and, um, you know, whatever, so... I, uh, I would vouch for the fact that they had, even though I wasn't there.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, and they're just, like, they're people like us, so they're just, like, they're very approachable, I feel like. People, and like. people put these, like, pros in a huge pedestal where, like, they're above us, but to be honest, they're just gamers like us. I feel like they're just... Yeah, it's and infinitely you, better than us that's the only thing that's the difference yeah
1: you also find that like you know when you're working in the same environment as these people there are always going to be ones who you gravitate towards as a friend like there are players that i'm friends with and there are players who i may never be friends with but like the next caster along might be friends with them or whatever and so like they might sort of like go to those people that they already have that rapport with um and so it, it's not even like you have to really go bother people that you don't know but i think also so like yeah there are always going to be players who aren't super talkative they're not like super approachable or receptive or whatever but in general people are are happy to and especially if it's for a um uh a tournament or whatever they you know they know it's something that that provides value so you know players are pretty good at knowing what they can't say um it's more just about how willing they are to talk and i would say that in general it's fine
0: yeah, I feel like because uh, they always see that because they see um like the pros through Twitter and that they see the respect of how they tweet and all that they see it through Twitter, but they don't actually speak to them in person, which they're completely different people. Like, I feel like sometimes on Twitter, they just put on like a not a face, but they have to put on like a standard of who they are. But I feel like when you talk to them, they're like one of the most chillest people you'll ever talk to. And like you understand that they're just human like us and they have mistakes. They have flaws. But like yeah. then you'll see a Reddit thread of like why is FNS like so angry and it's like he's a human being as well and like if someone if a pro is complaining it's like they're human as well they have emotions so they have a right to complain.
1: I mean I think I i I think emotion from players is a really good thing. I think yeah. one really grounding thing is just if you ever see something in esports that you're either confused by or you think is strange or um, you don't understand close your eyes and imagine it happening in a traditional sport and if it makes sense there then maybe that's that kind of should be translated and i think that i while i think it's good that esports has differences from traditional sports and it is its own thing like it can't really be treated as if it is directly the same thing because it's not it never will be but Mm. Ultimately, it is a, it is sports in the sense that it is a platform for high level competition. And so those same reactions and emotions and, um, you know, feelings are gonna be the same. Like they're gonna be there. And I think the big difference is that in esports, you have a much closer connection to these players because they may also be streamers. You follow them on social media and they interact. Like it's a lot more parasocial in the sense that you don't have a huge gap. Between them and you. Um, and that's why sometimes I think it can feel a bit grating to people because they're so much closer to those feelings. Uh, but it's the same it's the same thing, it's the same reason that people feel that way. Like they wanna be the best in the world and there are a lot of emotions that come with competing.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you definitely worded that perfectly, again. And uh, I feel like people, it's just definitely good, like, people having, like, uh, people like you and, like, others, like, really explain that and really emphasize that. Because, uh, e- again, I feel like esports is, like, it's still a very young thing. It's not really that old uh, as, as a thing. I feel like it's still few very young. A decades
1: old at this time, at this point, but I, it, esports as a corporate thing that is... is very a- young that's young that's young. yeah
0: i know esports yeah. has been around for a minute like halo like quake and all that like i yeah, understand but even that. like
1: I, I think like the first esports tournament was in the 80s
0: yeah uh, that's so that so there's always like it, it, it goes back all the way then so it's also important and yeah. i feel like people like it's it's definitely has still the strides it needs to grow and it's taken oh, strides to grow for example like yeah like what riot's doing and like it like equal, uh, like different uh events for males and females and then like showing coaches there's one-on-one coaches there's giving casters more of a emotion than like i feel like back then casters you don't really know who they were but i feel like now then like you understand who casters are through i think twitter or youtube like casters are content creators as well so i feel like there are people do understand that and that's one way to show show who they really are and it's really nice to see because before like i couldn't name you like th- like i grew up watching CS:GO like CSGO was my bread and butter and I couldn't tell you who I couldn't tell you like who was my real like favorite casters but for Valorant like I'm seeing like you guys I'm seeing like Tanner Metro I'm seeing like um like Golden Boy like I'm seeing all these guys like casters, and I'm like I know they're like down to earth like they're very chill people and like now it's um, it's really good to see that Valorant's actually putting an emphasis on that as well or Riot's putting an emphasis on that which I mean, I what I will say to good. that
1: is like, you know, casters making content and interacting and being part of the community. Um, that's less an infrastructural thing and more uh, personal decisions down to the casters. Yeah. Um, and there will always be people who don't do that because they don't want to, and that's their prerogative, but like, uh, that. I mean, that might be a slight cultural thing where it's become more normal, but ultimately that's down to the individuals. So, you know, yeah, when you see people like... I mean, you just mentioned Mitch, but Tom just put out a video with Neil Zinio today, like him making content. Yinsu does a lot of interview yes, content. Yes. Um, obviously Sideshow Bala, these are examples. I obviously do content, but I'm not here to shout out myself. But like no, um, it's okay. you know, it's when, sh- when, <laughs> when when you see when you see people like that doing content, it's because they want to and have chosen to. It's not really because there's any authority above them that's encouraged them to do that.
0: Yeah. But it's also like a, it's. there's no negative to it as well. So for a cast, they're just making, uh, making a name for themselves. No, and it, really makes, just them, blowing it them. makes them super valuable. And yeah.
1: I personally think it's it's good to feel like you have a connection to the audience. And for me, as a fan, I usually find that I become more invested in figures in the community, including broadcast talent... Who make that effort to have a connection with the community as well? Like those are usually the people I am drawn to as well as a fan. So like I can kind of see it from both sides, right?
0: Yeah, no, for sure. So it's it's always nice to see all that, and um, I feel like it definitely Valorant. It's I mean again, Valorant's very small, and esports like company wise, like as a company, is very young. And I feel like they're definitely going through. It's actually I feel like they're maturing faster than I expected, in my opinion. I don't know if oh, you yeah. can agree on that.
1: What esports as a whole, as an industry?
0: It is definitely maturing, but of course, there's always flaws. There's always bad apples within every industry, no matter what. But there's also um, there's also the good ones. And I feel like a lot of them, there's mostly good ones, especially in esports. Like
1: I think esports, esports has had to go through a lot of maturation. Um, I think 2020 was a good example of that and the the sort of social issues that came up there. But it's interesting because I'm going to draw a comparison here. I used to be really involved in, like, normal YouTube, right? Like, vlogger world, like, back from about 2011 to 2015. And back then, like, that was when that first started getting big and being taken seriously. And so it was in a similar stage of life to what you could say esports has been over the last five years. And um, I remember that same period happening in the world of vlogging and so when it came and happened in esports i remember thinking it's unfortunate but it feels almost like a not rite of passage but it's something that it has to go through because when something has been built from a, a generally grassroots thing and has started to become corporate and there's money in it that's where you then have to go through a period where you purge those bad apples because there's no one to um, kind of audit the those bad people in the beginning because it's not it's not an industry. It's just a bunch of people. Right. So there's always going to be that that period of time where stuff like that comes up and it goes through what feels like a really difficult time. But um, it. It's sort of inevitable. Um, and I don't think that obviously makes it a bad industry or makes it full of bad people or anything like that. And I think you're true, you're right, sorry, that it's been maturing. I think the interesting thing with where esports is right now is in the last few years, esports has been inflated a lot by VC money. And now we're kind of getting to that point where um, things need to become profitable to a point where we can continue to be... Um, have investment and stuff like that and there is the risk that if that doesn't happen in the next couple of years then there will be a bubble that bursts because yeah. there won't be there won't be money that comes in to invest from external sources and we won't be able to generate our own money in order to maintain where it is now um so we've kind of been in a bit of a golden era uh the last couple of years where there has been such an influx of investment and we've been able to ride on it so that's what i'm kind of looking for in esports as a whole now is just sort of like uh, uh, can we maintain that? And I think that socially progressing, i.e., going through the like Me Too movement that happened in 2020, and going through uh, some of these things over the last couple of years, is a necessity in order to um, maintain the health of esports long term going forward, and and to ensure that we can continue to have people who want to invest and and become a bigger thing and a bigger part of the the world's culture.
0: For sure. And I think that's uh, that's perfect. Whatever he said as well, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're definitely going down the right right path. Of course, we have some grow. Uh, we have we definitely have growing to do, and I feel like we are do- definitely going in the right path. But uh, I think that we are towards the end of the podcast, and we have a traditional question. I don't know if you know about.
1: Okay. No. So,
0: do you know what boba is? Do you go- I know? We've had previous like, guests in bubble England. Tea? Like bubble boba? tea, boba. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So. Have you had it before? That's question number one. Uh,
1: Yeah, of course. Of course. Okay.
0: Because we've had George get us on. He said he's never tried it and he hated it. So we He's never
1: tried it but he hates it.
0: Yeah, he's like, he's like nah, How I'm not trying he it. How can hate
1: it if he's never tried it?
0: I don't know. We've had him twice and we asked him twice and he said no. And I would like... All right, oh, well, I, I,
1: I'm going to take George out in London and I'm going to make him get bubble tea with me. We'll, yeah,
0: we'll, we'll force him out, at. please. Yeah. <laughs> so another question is, what is your go-to bobo order? Like you go in, you're like, that's yeah. my favorite order. I
1: always get the same. I always get the same. Um, I will always get strawberry milk, bubble tea, okay. With no tapioca, because I hate tapioca. It's disgusting. Really? Yeah, it's gross. But I get it with like the little juice balls that you can have. And I'll get like the little. Yeah, I get the little strawberry juice balls with the strawberry milk, and then I usually get cream on top.
0: <laughs> Wait, that's actually such an interesting one. <laughs> no, I one. really
1: want bubble tea!
0: <laughs> wow, but, okay. Yeah,
1: no, that is my absolute favorite. I get it everywhere. And there's, in London, in Chinatown, there is one alley that is just bubble tea places, Um, and everyone has their favorite bubble tea place that's down that alley. Obviously, there's like a million other bubble tea places elsewhere, but like, specifically in that alley, and the one that I like the best is actually one of the quieter ones, but they do a really really good strawberry milk bubble tea so. okay
0: because we've had somebody else who uh he's like the youtube manager for uh sentinels and we've had him on and he's like yeah bubble tea is not that huge in the uk or london
1: Bullshit. compared to america
0: compared to america he said it's not that big i
1: haven't noticed the particular difference i think it's equal i think it's really there's
0: just as country. much in london yeah. and like the uk compared to
1: wow yeah, because yeah.
0: The, bu- the the previous two people that we had that's george and uh Apezo, uh, that's the YouTube manager for Sentinels. We've asked them both, and they're like, Yeah, it's not that really that big in the UK. And I'm like, Yeah, but
1: if neither of odd. them and drink, if George doesn't fucking drink the shit, <laughs> and he's trying to tell you whether it's popular in the UK. What is this?! Yeah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> no,
0: shit. yeah, this was like half a year ago, so we asked him then, so I don't know if he's actually tried it since. He's an so idiot. you've idiot! Defi- <laughs> you definitely need to, like, force him out and take it, because no, we told him to try, it. he's like, maybe. He gave us a maybe, and I'm like, dude, you can't just say maybe, you've saying yes or no to us. Dude, so- now
1: I'm mad because, yeah, like, I would really like some right now. But it's Sunday evening, and I'm kind of like, oh, if I go to the place, it's not going to be open, is it? Because it's Sunday evening, so... Oh,
0: really? I think for us, usually all Boba places, they always close, like, at 8 p.m. around us. Yeah, but I
1: mean the specific place I want. You know what? I'm going to Google it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let me see
0: because uh, specifically the state i'm in it's like boba central because i live near new york city oh, as it's well it's
1: open it's open to 9 30 p.m
0: there you go you have about what you got like four hours before you got to go and get it. 4
1: hours so you got time yeah, like, i don't know how far, far, far it is from your because, place
0: but yeah you No, know, i
1: live really central so it's like it's it would take me not long to go there.
0: all right perfect perfect but uh, again i appreciate you thank you for coming on this has been really like a really good episode and thank you for, you've for like very educational as well in a sense <laughs> thank you I never so much shut up
1: on podcasts, no no this is good I'm we love it appreciate it
0: um is it of course if you want you can promote anything if you have any handles you want to promote if you have any future projects or any events you're going to if you want to promote that you're more than welcome to right now if you'd like
1: um i won't necessarily make any comments about future events or anything like that but i will say check out my youtube channel because i make a lot of Valorant content. I'm actually about to upload something as soon as we get off this podcast. Um, So it is youtube.com slash geometric with the X in the middle. I'm sure you can put a link somewhere. I really, really hate people. People are like, so why do you use that? It's like, honestly, I just, just go with it. Like I don't like it, but it is what it is. Um, Yeah. I put a lot of uh, content about the Valorant competitive scene on there. So yeah.
0: All (laughs) right. Thank you guys. Appreciate you guys for listening. uh, Check her out. Wonderful, wonderful caster. Alrighty, guys. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye bye. Alrighty. And we are.